I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, joining me today, I have Callie Nickerson. She is a PE teacher at Cottonwood Elementary. She is part of the Soul Sisters. Um, she has qualified and is going to be running Boston here soon. Um, she's a UNM grad and a Sandia High School grad. So thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So how did you get into running? Well, um, my mom was an amazing runner in high school back when there weren't many options for um, women in sports. So she actually ran with the boys cross country team and everyone would say, don't let that girl beat you. She was very fast and very successful. And she actually got her start with uh, the Duke City Dashers as a child. Oh, wow. So, and she ran when she was pregnant with me and my brother. And so as I was getting older, she kept encouraging me to join the cross country team at Sandia. And I went out this preseason summer before my sophomore year. And I really liked it. Coach Clark had us do like a three mile run and I ran the whole way and I loved it, but I just didn't really know anybody. And I felt so socially awkward that I quit. (laughs) (laughs) And then she encouraged me again to join track my sophomore year and I did and I was so clueless I would show up in jean shorts and cotton shirts and (laughs) and run and I was insistent that I would not do anything except the one mile because the two miles sounded way too far and long and the 800 and 400 were way too short and fast so I was insistent that I'd only do the mile and my coaches thankfully talked me into the two mile as well And that's really where I started. After that, I, you know, ran cross country my junior year and it was a really better environment. I knew everybody. It was so much fun. And I just, from there, I was like hooked. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny how far a two mile feels on the track when you're in (laughs) high school, right? (laughs) Oh, totally. I was used to running the mile in PE with Coach Clark. He was my PE teacher my freshman year. So I'm like, that's a great distance. I don't want to double that. <laughs> <laughs> it, and it's, yeah, it's just, it's so funny. And like, I'll have kids who run cross country, like they're running 5Ks every week and then they get to track and like, oh, I can't do two miles. That's too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness, right? <laughs> yeah, that... Yeah. That perspective when you're young and you don't really have anything to compare to, it's it's pretty funny. Right. <laughs> uh, um, you know, it's uh, it, it's pretty amazing, like hearing kind of people's talk and, and how they get into it. And it's just always fun for me. And, and already knowing a little bit of like where you're at and, and, and where you've gone through, like, from this start of like, no, I don't know anybody. I don't want to do it to now you're, you know, you're in a group and with the soul sisters, you've qualified and you're going to run Boston. Like, I mean, it just seems so far removed and yet they're, they're so kind of connected. Yeah. I mean, 
Definitely. It's hard to think I really didn't know anyone. And now that's so much of my community is the running community. Even when I started um, the run fit races back when they first started, I remember meeting people there and making friends and being like, now we have running friends because none of my friends ran outside of you know my friend group. And now, you know, almost all of them do. So what I do doesn't seem strange. It just seems normal to them. Whereas before I was this anomaly to my friend group that like, why would you want to go to bed early so you could wake up early to run? That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going to a Thanksgiving with um, some family friends and we were talking and I, was, and I had mentioned that I had run a 5k that morning and they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I can't imagine not running on Thanksgiving. Right? Like it's so much better when I've earned it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing better than that cool, crisp morning. And you know, you've got this giant meal waiting for you. Like, and how often do you get to race on a Thursday? Like, oh, right. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm so ready for this year's Hobbler Gobbler because it's like last year we didn't have it because of COVID. The year before it was that huge snowstorm. And so the last time I ran it, I was pregnant. And so it's been a very long time since I've run the Hobbler Gobbler or a Thanksgiving race. I'm so excited for that. I I am too. I was talking to people. Um, we were just talking beforehand about the, the Loveless Half, and we'll get into that in a second. But beforehand, I was talking because that was going to be my first race in, in two years because my whole... The, like the end of 2019 beginning of 2020 just all fell apart for me i had done the chunky monkey over the summer and i didn't have anything planned because of cross country so like i'll do you know i'll just do my normal thanksgiving run and then that got canceled because of that crazy snowstorm yeah and then i didn't have anything else planned until the safari run and that got canceled because of covid and right like Oh, I should have planned something in like December or January. <laughs> right. But who could have known? Truly. Right. <laughs> uh, so how did you get into teaching? Did you know like that was something you wanted to do? Or did that come from family to kind of like the running? Well, I, as a little kid, always wanted to be a police officer officer in the canine unit because they thought working with a dog would be cool. (laughs) And then I got to middle school and thought like, oh my gosh, I want to be an astronaut. Space is cool. And then I remember later in high school, I found this project I'd worked on my sophomore year and it said, what do I see myself doing in 10 years? And I wrote teaching and coaching and being a mom. And when I looked back on that, I, I was starting to do that. I, got into college clueless as to what to do. I switched my major a ton of times. Um, and I ended up getting a degree in economics because I found that really interesting. But every time people asked me what I do with it, I was like, well, maybe like teach high school economics and then coach. Um, and then I went to apply for my alternative licensure through CNM. And I applied, I think for the, the secondary under, I think it's considered humanities and with economics and they denied me. And I was like, what am I thinking? I love little kids. I've always loved children and um, 
working with younger people has always come naturally to me because my brother and my sister and almost all my cousins are younger than me. So I'm really drawn to working with that age. I felt comfortable. So I applied for the K through eight and got right in. And I started substitute teaching and actually reached out to Steve Pino and said, hey, I'm a substitute teacher now. If you need me, I know you're a principal, um, let me know. And he had a long-term position for a PE teacher at his school. And so I started that. It was really perfect because I was working with another PE teacher and kind of seeing how he designed it. And I thought, this is perfect because education had always been on my mind. Um, and in college, I dropped out. That was one of my majors. But I stopped because I was so afraid of parent-teacher conferences and working <laughs> with parents. That intimidated the heck out of me. So I thought PE is perfect because I get to work with kids, but I don't have to do parent-teacher conferences. And so thanks to Steve, I really discovered my love for that. And then um, as I was continuing my license, um, my aunt, she runs the Cottonwood School in Corrales. And she said, you know, you should come tour the school and see if you want to work here. So I became an assistant out there in the fourth and fifth grade classroom. And that was so fun. It was so hard and so rewarding. And I loved it so much. And the year after that, she offered me the PE position at the school. And so I I jumped at that. And it, this is my 12th year now being the PE teacher at that school. And I just love it. And I feel like I had some amazing teachers along the way that kind of you know, like set me on that route without me realizing it at the time. My now father-in-law was my teacher in high school. Um, my junior year, he taught humanities. He did the history portion and he showed us um, Dead Poets Society. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Yes. I was crying for 30 minutes after and he didn't really know what to do with me, like trying to teach a class and he had this sobbing student. I was so touched and inspired. And I really think like him showing me that movie somehow without me realizing at the time, like set that spark for me to be a teacher. Just to see the connection a teacher can make and the impression they can have on their students is really powerful to me and inspiring. And I think that might in the end be it. It's a big portion of it. That is a really cool story. And man, that is a great movie. <laughs> it is. It's still one of my absolute favorite movies. I just sob. And then when my father-in-law did retire, my sister was in his last humanities class and she got the whole class to stand on their desks like they do in the movie. <laughs> And I think that really, you know, that was obviously really touching to him and his co-teacher. And that I thought that was really amazing too. That's that's really cool. And and it is like you can't even especially when you're working kind of with elementary kids, but I mean even at high school, I think it's it can be hard to really understand the impact you can have on a kid because a lot of times you don't see them again. You know, you don't run back into them for, you know, I mean, maybe, you know, and in elementary age, you know, a lot of times they'll come back, like if the middle school is close by and say hi, right? you know, but, but a lot of times you, you let these kids go in fifth grade, you know, you get to see them for, you know, multiple years and then they're just out there being amazing, doing whatever. It's yeah, it's incredible. My school, we start usually around 18 months. So I just had a student that graduated um, this spring and I met him. He started when we were taking kids about a year. I met him when he was just over a year. 
Wow. And so to see that growth, um, gosh, the goodbyes get harder every year because now it's like kids I'm teaching and I knew their moms when they were pregnant and and I taught their older siblings and it's just our connection is so close and I feel so lucky because it's a it's a connection and a relationship that most teachers don't get like to know these children since they were babies through fifth and so yeah that goodbye if I don't see him again I think about so many of them to this day and I some of them do visit like you said which is so wonderful but some of them don't and I still think about them and you know, of course, wish them well. And then the best part about my little school is some of them come back and start teaching. So one of my first fifth graders, she's a teacher at the school now. And that's really wow. cool. That is, that is awesome. Yeah. And Wow. And it, it like it, I mean, that, that whole thing, like it's so, I think it's why so many elementary teachers have such a hard time moving schools. Because you see the families and you're like, oh, you know, I can't leave. But the best this kid is coming up and oh, I really want to, you know, and you get attached to the community so much. Oh, you so do. You definitely do. In our school, it's pretty little. I have like, I think around 64, 66 elementary students this year. Um, so, yeah, it's a small, really tight knit community. I know the kids, I know their older siblings, even if I didn't teach them. I know their grandparents a lot of the time. <laughs> I know their whole like life stories. It's, it's really wonderful. Yeah. I feel really lucky. No, I, um, my school is really small as well. I mean, we have two people on staff who went to the elementary school as kids and have now been teaching there like for, for years, you know, like, Oh, I love that. There are so many people that just, I mean, they, they like the neighborhood, you know, and they just, they, they find a way to stay there. That's really wonderful. I think that would be really neat to be able to teach where you were once a student. Yeah. It's, uh, that's kind of crazy. So uh, let's, uh, let's jump back into your, into your running a little bit. And, you know, I'm curious, uh, you know, you talked to me beforehand and, and you told me you ran for UNM for one year. Um, you know, was that something as you finished high school that you saw yourself doing? Like you knew you wanted to continue and you wanted to see what, what you could do at the college level? I, you know, I guess I've never really thought about that. I just saw running as such an integral part of my life by that point, even though it had only been a couple of years that I just thought, okay, let's like go walk on to UNM and, and see what happens. And I had a lot of success. I started getting stronger and faster um, that year, um, running times they hadn't been running in high school. And um, that was really exciting and unexpected. And it was really cool because I got to be the fifth runner at a few of the meets. So that was very exciting for me. The coolest part I would say was getting to run the UNM meet and it's after all the, you know, high schoolers run. And so all my old teammates from all the other schools were cheering for me as I ran in that collegiate meet. And, um, I was the fifth runner. I think that was our first meet. And so that was so exciting to be like one of the point scorers and a really full circle moment for me. So I really am grateful. I got to do that. That's awesome. That I that me it's not my favorite course running around that golf course, but <laughs> <laughs> it 
the energy at that meet. I mean, uh, man, we haven't done it in a few years. Um, and I don't even know if they've, if they've done it the last, even before COVID. Um, but I mean, it was just, again, like the, the entire, like all of these schools, it was usually one of the first high school meets and like the start of the college season, you'd have this, all of these kids and they'd be going and then you could stay and watch the college races. Like the energy of that, like, I find that to be something I wish we could bring back so the kids could kind of experience that and know what it takes to be at that level. Right. That was always such an exciting one. It was, yeah, I think our first meet that we always went to and it wasn't my cup of tea either. It was too flat and fast and I need some hills to slow my competition down where I can, you know, catch them on the uphill, but yeah. same. <laughs> it was fun, that energy. And you really could cheer all over the course, whereas in a lot of cases you can't. So that was a neat thing about it too. Yeah. 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 It was very spectator friendly. I mean, you could, Oh man, you'd be everywhere on that course, depending on how much you wanted to run. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so how did, how did that kind of continue through the rest of your college? Obviously you didn't, you didn't continue with the team. So how, how did running kind of still play a part in your um, collegiate years? Yeah, it was still a big part because I still wanted to run. And that was a tough transition for me because I'd only known running with other people and I had to transition to running by myself. So I bought an iPod <laughs> with those real fancy armbands. I had a great like tan line from it. Um, and I listened to music. It was tough at first for me. I mean, I had a friend or two I'd run with here and there, but you know, for simplicity's sake, I would often run alone. And that was initially very challenging. Um, and there were times I think I just thought, why am I still doing this? But I thought, well, I feel so good. It, it makes me feel great after a run. I like that it helps keep me healthy. So I'm glad I, you know, stuck through when it wasn't easy mentally for me. Um, and once that transition was made, now I love running by myself. Like it's such a gift. It's nice to run with people too, but man, if I don't love those solo miles. So I'm glad I stuck with that tough time because it, yeah, it was not, it was not an easy transition at, at first. Really what helped me was the run fit races. Like once those came around and I had races to look forward to and like a running community to be a part of again, I felt like that really was super helpful to me. Yeah. Do you, do you still run with music or, or, you know, noise? <laughs> yeah, I, I almost always do. I don't race with it. I'm yeah like a purist about not racing with music, but I do, I still run with music. And recently, like when COVID started, I started moving to podcasts too, which I really like as well. So yeah, I maybe should be a little more in tune with like the outside world, but I keep the volume low and yeah, it's, yeah, it's helpful to me at least. I, it's so weird that you say that. I don't know why. But I, I like my solo miles as well. Um, I tend more recently, I'll just kind of run with one earbud in mm -hmm. um, instead of both. But yeah, with when COVID hit, I kind of really went all in on the podcast. I don't listen to music quite as much, even though I still love music. I still listen to it a lot, you know, in my regular day. But 
I just really jumped in. Maybe it was that connection with other people. I don't know, but. <laughs> right. Yeah. Staying connected to the outside world when yeah. all you had. Yeah. Um, well, and I guess speaking of that, how, how tough was uh, teaching PE online for you? <laughs> well, um, I was really lucky in that we were in person last year in okay. a very small capacity, completely masked, tiny, like 10 person classes. Um, but I did have a few online students. I had um, six the first semester and then two came back in person at semester. So then I had four. It was tough because I don't feel like elementary PE online is an ideal fit. Like it's more like physical fitness exercises, which might work with an older audience. But so it was tricky for me at first, especially because nothing I did in person. So much of it is group building and parachute play and learning individual sports. I couldn't guarantee they had the materials unless it was a jump rope or maybe a ball. So what I started doing was finding the things they liked and then making a P class around that. So and I would have my in-person students help me. I also work as part of um, the after-school program. And so one of my students, Zane, she would help me come up with movements. So we did like a whole Pokemon class and Zane would come up. I'd be like, okay, here's the Pokemon. Tell me how it moves. And she'd show me. And so I'd like write it down and be like, okay, here's a Pokemon class. And we had a Star Wars class and a Harry Potter class. But she was my expert on things I didn't know that the kids loved. So it kind of became really fun. And the kids were so great. They really connected. They had to keep their screens on, which made it a little bit easier for me. Right. Um, but with like technology, I would get kicked out here and there. And then this one little boy would like take over. He'd be like, okay, I'm going to lead the class. And he'd like do the last exercise I was leading until I could hop back on. So it was tough for sure but they made it so fun and rewarding like every time i'd like dread it and then i'd get on and see their happy faces and i was like why am i dreading this like they're so happy to see me and i think i'm just like such a tough critic of my own teaching i never thought i was doing like my best but they had fun and were moving and that's kind of the whole point of pe right, right. <laughs> so yeah it was an experience for sure but those kiddos are back in person now. They're all fourth and fifth graders. And it's so awesome to be able to teach them PE in person this year. Oh, I'm sure. And my kids are, are loving their PE time and being able to be in in person, you know, for that movement and being with their coach and everything. Oh, I bet. Big difference. It's so, I mean... When you've only got a tiny space to move, it, it also makes it a little bit harder. So, <laughs> oh, it does. Yeah, you couldn't guarantee what space they have. They'd be like, "Well, I have my bed," and I'd be like, "Okay, yeah. well, we'll try to balance on your bed today." Right. I mean, because I mean, you know, we had for my, you know my family, and I know several other families were the same way. You know, you've got three kids or you know such in a limited space plus then I was online teaching so they couldn't be in my space you know it was <laughs> uh, that's it was... a lot it's amazing to me how people were able to do all of that I really was so grateful for the parents that made it work and I know they had a lot on their plate as well so yeah, it was yeah, quite the time. And I'm proud of everyone for getting through it in whatever capacity they did, because it certainly wasn't easy for anyone. No, no. 
Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm going to jump back again to the, <laughs> to the running. Okay. I, did, I had to jump aside on that because that's always just fascinating to me how, how different teachers handled it because it was tough. Um, but, you know, you talked about getting into the run fit races and they, and they really helped you and helped you find your community. Was that mostly just kind of sticking to the to the five Ks? And when did you start kind of moving your distance up? Yeah, it was mostly 5Ks, I think, that they offered at first. And then I remember some community center opened up. I don't even remember where. Somewhere in Albuquerque. And they had a 10K as part of it. And I thought, well, you know, I should probably run a 10K. I had actually, right after I graduated high school, there was a half marathon on the base. They still do it. It's Armed Forces half. And it's very hilly. (laughs) I didn't have any perspective and I just came from high school track where I'd run like seven miles at the most at a time. And I did that half and I thought, oh my gosh, my knees hurt. I'm only 18. I should probably never do this again. How do people do marathons? This was hard. So then I just, yeah, went into college, did 5Ks and then I did that community 10K and I wasn't quite sure how to pace. And there was another woman who was very kind, you know, and trying to help me pace and I loved it. I loved the 10K that I remember that was my first 10K. I'm not sure what year I would probably guess 2006. Um, And then I don't think I ran my next half marathon again until 2008. And it was the armed forces half again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that was to prepare me for the Duke city marathon, because I decided to sign up for that as my first marathon, my last semester at UNM. What made you decide that you wanted to do a marathon at that point? You know, that's a really good question. I'm guessing it feels so long ago that I can't remember. I'm guessing it was reading runner's world and getting inspired by that and other people. Cause I don't think I knew a lot of people that ran marathons. I just decided I should try it. And I'd heard that you could qualify for Boston. And so I looked up at the time for that. And back then it was three hours and 40 minutes for my age group. Oh, wow. I, like, I think I could do that. I really don't know. Um, and so I just went and ran it and it was the perfect day. It was overcast, cool, you know, weather that I'm familiar with. I didn't have to fly or travel or have any of that stress. I slept in my own bed and I loved it. I finished it and I told my brother, I'm not sure why people think marathons are hard. That wasn't that hard. (laughs) (laughs) And I have never felt that way about a marathon since, but I think it's the funniest story because I truly was like, it wasn't that hard. And then I went and played a soccer game after. What? (laughs) Um, And I'm sure miss being 22. That was nice. I definitely cry like well I don't cry but I feel in pain after every marathon I do think they are hard clearly I didn't push myself hard enough but I feel like I had a pretty strong first marathon my time was admirable I was proud of myself um but I think everything just went right and then after that I didn't even PR in my marathon until my fourth marathon so clearly it was a very exceptional first marathon experience as my next few were rough wow that is uh that is a crazy first marathon story. <laughs> I mean, I've talked to some people who have had some really good first marathons, but I don't think any of them have gone out and played a soccer game after. 
Well, and I don't know. I'm glad I did it. I can say I did it. I, again, had nothing to compare to. It was like, well, I usually race and then I go play soccer. So I should continue doing that for my team. They need me there. And yeah, I never did that again. But it was it makes it for a fun story and a good memory, too. Did you have gels or any like were you just taking water? What did do you remember that? I do remember that. I think I was doing sports beans back then. Um, there definitely wasn't the availability of fuel there is now. So I think it did sports beans because those seemed easy for me. I have not been great at fueling ever. I don't like to carry fluids. I don't like, I'll carry like one like gel now. And I found a water fountain on my runs, home <laughs> runs that I use. I just go back and forth to it. It's my saving grace. Unfortunately, it's closed in the freezing weather, but um, yeah, I'm not the best at fueling by a long shot. I could probably work on that a lot, but yeah, I ate sports beans and then just got water at all the hydration stations, probably a little bit of Gatorade or Powerade, whatever they have there too. And that worked out. I think I probably took probably one little pack of sports beans. Wow. (laughs) But... (laughs) Yeah, that was that was my first marathon. And I ended up finishing second, but I had no clue because, you know, there's the relay team. So I didn't think I was anywhere toward the top. I remember the next day I read the newspaper and it said, you know, runner up Kelly Nickerson was over eight minutes behind the winner. And I'm like, well, I didn't even know I was the runner up. I wasn't trying to win. Like the way you put it, it's like I couldn't keep up with the winner. And I was trying to go run my first marathon. Thank you. But that's when I even found out my place. I was gonna say, like, you didn't even did you didn't get like a medal for second place or anything. Nope. I well, I left. I had to go to my soccer game. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe they did that, but I totally missed it. And yeah, I didn't know I came in second. I had no clue. Wow. So yeah, that was. Your medal sitting around in someone's drawer somewhere. It must be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's funny. That is. Wow. It was. Yeah. I remember being so offended by that article. Like, geez, <laughs> Louise, give me credit. I'm just like this college student trying to run a marathon. I'm not going for gold here. Did you keep the article? <sighs> I wish I had. I didn't. But that that would have been a nice memory if I yeah. had. <laughs> wow that's uh that's that's pretty amazing so after having this amazing marathon i'm like oh this is no big deal (laughs) what marathon made you feel like i am never doing this again that's a good question because even though that was like in my own words very easy and i still didn't sign up for one for almost two years i then Um, Boston was on my radar, but I was like, well, I can do that whenever I want, you know? So I didn't think about, um, signing up for it. So I did the San Diego rock and roll in 2010 and that was very muggy and humid. And it was like a pretty rough experience. I don't think I said never again, but like, that's definitely been more recently where like I'll collapse into my husband's arms when I find him and I'm like, never again crying. And then later that night, I'm like, well, I still would like to do this one or like, I love Boston. I want to keep going back. And he, so he always laughs now when I say never again, because we both know that it is a 
full lie, at least for a couple hours, you know, a couple hours later, my mind will be changed. But um, yeah, I don't know when I like was like, these are rough, no more. But, you know, I know that that's never true. Yeah. I hope I never know when my last marathon is. <laughs> yeah. that And see, that's it's such a crazy thing with um, runners. Like it's always there's always another one, right? Like there's always that next one. Uh, the next thing I'm looking forward to, like, yes, I'm doing this, but then I'm doing this, right? Or, okay, well, I'm done with that one, and that was great. What's coming up next? What am I going to focus on? And it's just such a never-ending cycle. <laughs> it is, yeah, to keep yourself, at least for me, to keep myself motivated and have something to look forward to. Yeah, there's no, no like, it. my list of future races is never-ending. How often do you race in a year? And obviously in a normal year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And in normal year, a lot. I, especially in the fall, I race pretty much every weekend, sometimes back to back Saturday and Sunday. I love racing. It is my speed work. I don't do speed work because I am a strong believer that running should be fun. And to me, speed work is not fun. And like I said earlier, I'm really only motivated when there's other people, like when it's just myself to be like, I know that's the ultimate goal to like PR and beat myself. I do get that, but I need other people to help me like get there, um, to motivate me. So I would say probably like in a normal year, like 30 plus races would be an estimate. Most of them local, like right. all I do every run fit race, unless I'm out of town. Um, and then like, I love Lakaya's Rio Grande race and I love Duke city. I do Duke city every year. I, this is going to be the exception and I'm pretty sad. Um, but yeah. And then I love the run Disney races too. The, I do a lot of those now, especially now that they're returning. Yeah. Well, I did see that in your, in your bio, uh, think on Instagram and Twitter, all things, Disney and Harry Potter. Yes. Oh, yes. I love I love both a lot. <laughs> and so, you know, one of you, one of your races, one of your halves was uh, the Tinkerbell half with Disney and you won the first one of that. What was what did that feel like, I guess? Oh, my gosh, that was probably like the coolest, like most exciting moment of my life. Because it was my first run Disney race. Um, I signed up for that one. I didn't, I hated the character Tinkerbell. I thought she was <laughs> abysmal. I thought she was so mean to Wendy. And I really wanted to run the princess half, but it was in Florida and Tinkerbell was in California. And I was like, well, California is closer. It's easier to travel to. I will sign up for that race. Um, and thank goodness I did. Um, so I told my brother the night before I was reading the race program and I said, oh, they do awards for the top three overall at this time. And he said, are you going for top three? And I said, no, I'm going for top 20 because I want to be on the the top of the results page. <laughs> and <laughs> as I was running through the parks, so you start running through the parks and I was in fourth and I thought, wow, like I'm doing much better than I thought. Maybe I could get top three and I moved to third and then I moved to second. And I was like, this sounds great. Like top three, that's awesome. So I am competitive, but I was still like very pleased with second, even though I could see first and then getting near the end of the race, I was like, you know, 
I think I actually could win this. Like, let's see, like, let's put a surge out there. And I did. And in the last half mile, I passed her. Wow. And um, on a whim, you know, no, nothing new on race day. I it, don't follow those rules. Apparently I wore a tutu and I wore wings and I wore like arm sleeves that I'd never worn. <laughs> I didn't even like pin the wings the way you're supposed to. So they were like flapping wildly. <laughs> um, <laughs> my mom apparently knows someone with Disney that was like radioing in like this girl passed. Like there's a new person that's in first and you'll never guess what she's wearing. Like you, you would never guess like she's dressed as Tinkerbell. So as I'm like coming in, I'm like, I'm really hoping I'm holding on to first and this girl isn't too close behind me, this woman. And, um, it was amazing. I never in a million years, like I'd won little local races, but I'd never broken a tape and like Mickey and Minnie and Donald and like all the characters are there, like jumping at the finish line with me. It was so, so cool and just nothing I could have dreamed of. It was such a fun, fun experience. And it's wild to think that it's almost been 10 years ago now. Like it still feels so fresh um, in my memory, at least. That is awesome. And it's funny because I did, I had, I was going to ask you about your whole outfit for that because you know, there, <laughs> there are pictures online and, <laughs> and it is just, I, I, I just can't even imagine like, yeah, I'm going to just do this for this half marathon and just see what happens. <laughs> and then you end up well, winning. And, <laughs> and, oh, and I even remember this lady at the start, like we were trying to find porta potties and it was really crowded and she was like complaining. She's like, all these people in their costumes, they're just like taking too long in the porta potties. It's because they have these costumes and these tutus and they're delaying us all. And I thought, geez, I hope you found out I won in the end after being so whiny about like the costume. But I'm glad I wore it. There was there was quite a few costumes there. It was so fun. It was after that, like I was like real into running in tutus for a good few years <laughs> because they just made running so much more fun and so many more people cheer for you. And like a lot of people didn't take me seriously, but that's okay. It was fun. And again, I think running should be all about having fun. Um, if you want to stick with it, you know, it's got to be fun. It's such an important part. So yeah that outfit was hilarious and fun and i will always save that tutu and those wings i think they're kind of shredded now (laughs) (laughs) well i think you're right though i mean that that is you have to have fun in your running right you have to find what's going to work for you and you know, maybe that is going out and doing speed workouts to switch it up, or maybe it's running with a group or maybe, you know, a hundred other things, you know, going out and doing ultra marathons, whatever's going to keep it fresh and new and exciting for you. And so that's awesome that, that, that is, that is your goal. Yeah. I mean, definitely there's so many different things that work for so many other people, but yeah, for me, it always has to come back to fun because I love running. It brings me joy and it brings me so much peace in my mind. And if I want to, you know, continue running, I, I can't get burnt out. And I know I'll get burnt out doing workouts that just don't appeal to me. Um, so thank goodness for racing, because that's what keeps me kind of speedy. 
That's wow. Yeah, I it's I I like some speed workouts. I like pushing my body that way, and I can't. Uh, racing every week does not appeal to me. But again, that's everybody's got yeah, their own. Yeah, own. Yeah. I do. I do feel guilt about it sometimes, and I do sometimes miss it. But I would have to. I'd have to do it with someone else. I think or. I don't know, have my husband like chase me on a bike and tell me to go faster. I don't know. I'd have to have something. I Maybe I just need to go out there and make myself do it. I don't, I could, but I don't know. It's, I always say I will. And that's been <laughs> decades now. I think my last speed work, intentional speed work was in college. So uh, 2004. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, you mentioned your, your husband chased you on the bike. Does, does he run at all? he likes to run after a soccer ball on grass. Okay. <laughs> That's what he says. That said, I have talked him into two half marathons. Oh, wow. One in Disneyland and one in Disney World. And he trained for six miles and stopped for all the character pictures and still finished under two hours for the first. And the second, wow. I think he trained three miles <laughs> and same, same outcome. It was kind of ridiculous. Like if he really tried... He'd be a very successful runner, but he loves soccer. That's actually how we met. Um, I used to play soccer for a long time, too. That's cool. I mean, that's speed work in itself there if you're doing some it of is. those. So <laughs> just just hidden speed work. <laughs> totally, yes. Uh, you know, we talked about you qualifying for Boston. So let's go back. Where did you qualify for Boston? Well, this time around, I qualified at the Walt Disney World Marathon in January of 2019. And that is the last marathon I have actually run officially. Um, so it's been a while. Wow. And you told me you were 20 weeks pregnant when you ran that. I was. Um I was very nervous. I was, um, we were trying to start a family and I thought, you know, I could probably run a marathon pregnant. I don't know. But then <laughs> I, I put pressure on myself and I actually didn't tell anyone I was pregnant for a very long time, including my husband, because I was so nervous and I was nervous people would judge me for training for a marathon pregnant. And I was even Googling like, how did qualify for Boston while pregnant? <laughs> And just so you know, there's no, like, there's no, no results for that. It tells you to take it easy. Um, so I was there and then I'd like clear my history searches cause I didn't want anyone to see them. Um, so it was, I was nerve wracking to me. And then I finally told like my husband, which poor guy, I should have told him much sooner. And then I told a few friends and family, but it was like, be quiet. I don't want anyone to judge me running a marathon pregnant even in this day and age, like there's just a few people that might say like the wrong thing that would get in my head. So I do remember like, I flew out all by myself, but I was meeting two friends from California out there and I hadn't told them I was pregnant. And I was nervous because I flew out the day before and there was a heat advisory. And that was the one thing I knew that could be dangerous running pregnant. And so I, you know, I told myself like, if at any point you need to stop, like there's nothing wrong with stopping. But it ended up, it was a little bit humid, but it wasn't too hot by any means. I just made sure that I hydrated a little bit more than extra. Um, and it was so fun because the night before, you know, when I had met up with my friends, I asked one of them, I said, I put you as my emergency contact. Is this the right phone number? And on the 
I flipped my bib around and on the back I had printed and taped to it. Um, I'm 20 weeks pregnant. And so she like looked at it and smiled and then she like realized and she was <laughs> so surprised. Um, cause I still didn't really look pregnant at that point. I was able to hide it. And so that was really fun. And then I surprised some of my soul sisters the next morning with that. And one of them was like, just be careful. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's what I didn't want to hear. But, um, what I did the day before is I went to the expo and they had like a big, like poster board of the marathon. And I thought, well, I'll buy this and they're going to ship it to my house. And that'll motivate me to like finish. Cause I, I thought more if I didn't finish, it'd just be in my own head, psyching myself out. Not that I shouldn't or couldn't. And I thought if I ship that to my house and I don't run the marathon, I guess I can gift it to a friend, but I'll be really disappointed. So I ran it and I felt great the whole time. Um, it was a tad bit slower than I normally run a marathon, but, but not much slower. Um, so it was really, ha- I wasn't sure if I could Boston qualify, but I did. And I was so excited. Um, the one thing that I will always remember is I put a chapstick in my front pocket pocket and they all the race. I was like, gosh, like I have the worst pain, like, like this splitting pain in my abdomen. What is it? And at mile 20, I took out the chapstick and the pain went away immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Putting myself in those pain. And I ended up like bruising on my abdomen from that chapstick. Wow. Like who would have known? But so it was a really cool experience. The announcers were my friends and they got to announce that I was, you know, 20 weeks pregnant. And it was funny. Someone like took a picture and put it in a run Disney Facebook group. And all my friends were like, you're pregnant? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I didn't mean for that to be my announcement. But it was for a lot of them. Um, that was so cool. And I remember thinking like, this is something I'll get to tell my kids someday. Um, like such a special moment that, you know, he and I are, you know, running this marathon together. Uh, not many kids can say that. And that is definitely something I'm excited to share with him. And that poster is like above his crib now. And he loves it. He's like, it's runner Mickey. (laughs) That is so cool. And it is, it's kind of crazy how, um, I, I think over the past couple of years, you know, there's been more talk and especially this last year with, you know, like Alephine and, um, Alicia Felix and, and, you know, some of those more high profile, like about running not only while pregnant, but after pregnancy. And you know, there was the woman in the Olympic trials and the heptathlon who was, I don't even remember how many weeks she was, you know, out there running and jumping and doing all those amazing things and you know it's just it's um it's amazing it's it's sad that there hasn't been as much kind of talking about and openness about it but it's I'm, i'm glad it's kind of happening now so that people you know, they can look up and maybe Google search something and it doesn't come up with no results. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking when Alephine was sharing everything. I was like, oh, I could have used this during my pregnancy. I felt so like alone and scared and like needed someone to like look to. And like there was when I was pregnant, there was that woman on Runner's World who was like nine months pregnant running. And I thought that was super cool that she was featured. That felt really good. So I am I'm really happy that it's um, now becoming more normal to talk about that and share that. And oh, it's just so inspiring to me. That would have been really reassuring to me when I was pregnant. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure your story will be, you know, inspiring to other people and reassuring, like, I can do this too. 
Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, so you're going to be running Boston. That's coming up next week. Is that next week already? Yeah, it's on next wow. Monday, the 11th. Wow. So actually, this episode will come out on the 10th. So this will be out the day before you run. So that'll wow. be cool. That will be. <laughs> and, you know, how do you fit in? You know, we talked a little bit. Teaching can be so demanding. Mm -hmm. And now you've got a toddler as well. How do you fit in training for a marathon, you know, with everything else that you have to do? Well, thankfully, I have so much support from my husband, from my in-laws and my parents. And even for my work, I have like the quirkiest work schedule because I think, like I said earlier, I work the after school program too. So I work till six most days. Oh, wow. So sometimes yeah. I do go in a little bit later. Um, but my schedule this year is especially quirky because my son is now going to the school a couple days a week. And so I take him and have really long days, but <laughs> I've just always made running something that has to happen because I know it makes me a better mom. I know it makes me a better teacher. I know it makes me a better spouse. I know it makes me just a friendlier person in general. So it will always be such a priority. And if I can just put it at the beginning of my day, then the rest of the day, I don't have to think about it. And I love those early morning solo miles. So really, I've, you know, between that, like fitting it in early, like making it a priority and then having so much support so that it can happen. I'm really grateful for all of that because I realize not everyone has that level of support. Not everyone has family in town or a supportive partner or maybe even a flexible work schedule. So <laughs> I've been able to stick with it because of all those supports in place. Well, that's awesome. It's, it's, uh, it's always a team effort, right? <laughs> It most definitely is. And I'm super, super grateful for my awesome team. That's awesome. Um, are you, do you have any goals for Boston? I don't think I do this. I mean, I'd like, you know, I do, of course, want to run another BQ, um, which I've done in all my marathons so far. So I'm hoping that is a very likely outcome. I've had a little bit of um, pain in my hamstring this time around. Um, I've been going to a chiropractor and that seems to be helping things. So at first I was worried I might have to drop if that pain was too intense. Um, I think my goal would just be around 320-ish or under if I could do that. I don't know if I'm in that shape right now. Um, coming back into just starting racing in July where that's my speed work. Um, I'm not quite as speedy as I used to be or where I'd like to be, but I'm going to give myself some grace and just really soak in the Boston experience. Like I always try to do, um, and have fun. So I guess those are my goals. Have fun, enjoy the experience. And if I can get around three hours and 20 minutes, I'll be pleased. That's that sounds like great. I think having fun is again, it goes back to that original reason to to be running, right? So I think that's a great goal. Yeah, thank you. Have you done Boston before? I have. I've done it three times before. I did it in 2011 was my first year. It was the year of perfect weather. I was <laughs> super grateful for that. And then I did it the year after the bombings in 2014. That was an amazing experience. Um 
I wore a Boston Strong tank top and the cheers from the crowds and just the support was even better than ever, if that's possible. Right. That was a really unique experience that I'm grateful I got to have. And then I ran it <laughs> in those wonderful conditions in 2018 <laughs> with the 30 mile power headwinds and the pouring rain. That was intense. Um, and rough, but I'm so glad I did it again. It makes for a really great story. <laughs> I mean, the pictures from that, I mean, that was when, when Des won and like, it's iconic, oh you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I got to run it the years Meb won in 2014 and Des won in 2018. And I think around Heartbreak Hill was where I found out for both of them. Um, someone had put like cross out their sign and wrote Meb one. And I, I looked at the person next to me. I was like, Meb one, Meb one. And they're like, I guess. And so I, I wasn't sure. Cause that was all I'd heard of it. And then right. there was an announcer at like the top of heartbreak Hill in 2018, like does one. And I like got goosebumps and like chills. And I like looked at him and I said, does one. <laughs> He's like, yeah, does one. And I just started like crying. I was so happy and excited. I feel like so grateful I got to be there the years those guys won. They're amazing runners that are so humble and hardworking. And oh, that was incredible. And yeah, yeah that pow those that definitely got me last through my last six miles <laughs> knowing she'd won. Yeah, those are both great people to just they they make you they make it easy to cheer for them. They they absolutely do. That's that's how do you feel about doing it in in as a fall race now instead of a spring race? I'm so excited for the opportunity. I keep questioning myself. I'm like, Kelly, why are you doing this to yourself? Training for a marathon <laughs> with a toddler is so hard. But then I keep thinking like, Kelly, you're never going to get to run Boston in the fall again. And the only time you'll probably visit Boston is when you're at the marathon. So, you know, there won't be daffodils, but there will be changing leaves on the trees. And it's going to be so cool and unique. I feel honored to have that opportunity. You know, I think like Shalane taking on that challenge of like the six majors in right. such a short amount of time. And it's like, why not like grab that opportunity when it's the only chance you're going to get? Yeah. I think that's so cool. Yeah. It's so, just, yeah. just ran another one today, another sub 240. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know how she's going to do Chicago and Boston. To me, that's, mind-blowing especially at that at, the, at that pace like i know like if you're going a slower pace like you can conserve like your legs a little more but she's amazing to me i yeah i thought she was like i was thinking you know she'd she'd be under three hours for all of them and just kind of yeah. like not that that's a slow pace but for her you know like right that's definitely a little bit easier pace and then she runs a you know a couple of 230s like it's right. incredible. Yeah, she's amazing to me. I love her. Yeah, that's that's a crazy story. I just can't even imagine. <laughs> me either. <laughs> Again, it makes for an amazing story, like for the rest of her life. Yeah, exactly. So cool. Exactly. So, you know, one thing you kind of talked about earlier was that idea of you know, being in a school and doing coaching. And, you know, I know we talked about this beforehand, but you, you have done some coaching there at your school. 
Um, do you want to, and obviously not this year, but do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So we have in my after school program until this year, we've had a cross country club and it's, um, so our elementary at my school, cause we were a preschool and an elementary and the elementary, because it's Montessori is, um, first through fifth. So it's usually first through fifth, but every now and then I'll get a kindergartner that joins. Usually my rule is <clears throat> they have to have a parent with them because they're pretty young. Um, but I have usually a couple parent volunteers. And since we're located um, in Corrales, we're right up to the Bosque. So every other week we go and just put in miles in the Bosque and we run to the river and they play beside the river. And then we run back and it is so fun. And then the other weeks, um, every other week we do speed work, which for them is just games, right. just running games, tag games. It's so fun. And that I don't need parent volunteers for because um, I can just run those. But I definitely need the parent volunteers for the Bosky runs because, you know, we definitely spread out to our own paces. Um, and it's fun because sometimes we'll run like some local races together. Last year, we actually did like that tiny little crew and I, we ended up having a tiny virtual run for the zoo that we like made our own medals for and like... <laughs> made, I think there's a lion on the shirt. So we made like a little lion, um, perler beads and put magnets on the back so that people could have souvenirs. And some kids made, um, cupcakes with like zoo animals on them. It was so cute. And it's just something I hope they'll always remember. I know I'll always remember. Um, but it's so special to just be able to go out and run. Most schools don't have that opportunity because there's traffic to contend with that we don't have to, um, it's such an adventure. We get to see all kinds of, we've seen baby porcupines and all kinds of really cool birds and coyotes and getting to run with them is so special. Sometimes they'll come back even in middle school and still run with me. And one of them now he's running for Academy as an eighth grader. Um, and I was going to go, I was going to go see a meet, but his, his, the only meet I was invited to was next week when I'm flying to Boston. So <laughs> unfortunately I don't get to see that, but it's just really cool to help instill that love of running, which is really what I try to focus on with them. Like, you know, it's fun to beat others, but you really want to beat yourself and like do your own best and have fun. Um, I had one student that a few years back, his mom said it was such a tool he used, like he'd be having a really tough day. He'd say, mom, I just need to go run for a little bit. And he, he lived in Corrales, so he could just go run on the ditch banks and he'd go run and come back and his mind was cleared. And he was still an elementary age kid. So to see the wisdom he had to know that that was such a tool he could use to calm his mind and, um, clear his thoughts. I thought that was really wonderful. And so I'm grateful to be able to give back to running because it has given me so much. And I just, man, I love running with those kiddos. They're just the best. They work so hard and they love running in it in the most pure way because they're kids. It's, it's amazing to watch elementary kids just run. You know, you talk about that finding you're happy and run. I mean, they just instinctively have it, right? It's just that they, they're out there playing tag, they're out there chase, they're out, to, whatever it is, and they're just going at it 100%. <laughs> they definitely are. Smiles plastered on their faces. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, last year, they were, we all ran with masks. And 
they didn't even complain. You know, people worry so much about kids. And I always say, you know, kids are more resilient than you think. Like they're much tougher and more resilient than adults. They're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's a great spot to, to kind of wrap up. I think that's a, a great message. <laughs> Thank you. And so, um, yeah, I do have one more question for you. And that's the question I ask everybody. And you've already said you run with music. So what are you listening to to get you up before school and out on your runs? Well, um, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to on my long runs is called The Moth. It's really cool. It's just people telling stories. They have events all over America and other parts of the world, and they'll record the stories and put them together like under groupings. And some of them, so many of them make me cry. <laughs> they're so not that big of a crier, but they're really inspiring stories. Um, there was one when I was doing my 21 mile run for Boston and the guy tells a story about moving to Boston and how he's like, people are so tough on him at first, but then he has this hospital stay because he gets really sick. And then he goes back to work. And the first day he goes back to work after being sick, it's the hundredth running of the Boston marathon. And he's like, I saw, I stood at the top of Heartbreak Hill and those runners knew. And I knew in the same moment, the Boston is freaking awesome. And I was just like crying. <laughs> and I listened to that, that specific story. It's like a six minute story over and over and <laughs> over because <laughs> it's really inspiring to me. And so I just keep saying like, Boston is freaking awesome. So I love that podcast. But then in terms of music, I have to agree with Sal Gonzalez that <laughs> hands down my best pump up song for running is Shipping Up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys, whether I'm preparing for the Boston Marathon or not. And I love Taylor Swift. I love <laughs> all her music. Her newest two albums are not super conducive to like fast running. They're more kind of like my mellow run days. But Blank Space, that one gets me pumped up for a run. So I would recommend Taylor to anyone, even to all her haters. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. I, uh, I love Dropkick Murphys and... That is one of their, I mean, can't go wrong with almost anything they put out there. It's going to get you pumped up. Oh, it totally is, right? Yes, oh. I adore them. They came here once, like ages ago, and it was such a great concert, and they've never been back since. <laughs> they need to come back to Albuquerque. Oh, that would be cool. That it would be so cool. I'll have to check out that podcast, my I, especially that episode, because my dad ran the 100th um, running of Boston. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yes. He said, I, I mean, the energy on that was. I cannot imagine. Yeah. We'll send you that specific one too. So you're not like trying to find it for ages because they have a ton of podcasts. Like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again. Like this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you taking the time um, to to sit down and, and have this conversation. Is, Thank you so much. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? Um, Just that I think running is so fun. And if you're ever having trouble getting yourself motivated for a run, just think about how good you're going to feel after. I've never felt worse after a run. I've always felt better, especially mentally. So yeah, go run and run for fun. 
I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at runningnewmexico at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.